following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 66 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are on Rotten Tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2009's Pandorum, directed by Christian Alvart, starring Dennis Quaid, Ben Foster, Cam Jigendet, Ante Traui, Kung Lee, and Eddie Rouse. Pandorum is a 2009 German-American science fiction thriller film. This film currently holds a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? Two crew members are stranded on a spacecraft and quickly and horrifically realize they are not alone. Two astronauts awaken in a hypersleep chamber aboard a seemingly abandoned spacecraft. It's pitch black, they are disoriented, and the only sound is a low rumble and creak from the belly of the ship. They can't remember anything. Who are they? What is their mission? With Lieutenant Peyton staying behind to guide him via radio transmitter, Corporal Bauer ventures deep into the ship and begins to uncover a terrifying reality. Slowly, the spacecraft's shocking, deadly secrets are revealed, and the astronauts find their own survival is more important than they could have ever imagined. This week, we had the situation coming up where neither Martin nor Kevin could record at the same time. Something came up for both of them on Friday, so I had to make a decision whether it was Martin or Kevin could record with me on Saturday, and I specifically chose Kevin because he dodged a bullet last time with Event Horizon. Not this time with Pandorum. Oh no. <laughs> You're stuck with this spaceship movie. Thank you. Uh, what's your history with this? I knew it existed. I had no interest in it when it came out, and I never planned on ever seeing it. Okay, my history with this is I bought this movie for a dollar from a nearby blockbuster when it collapsed in upon <laughs> itself. <laughs> And we both watched my personal copy of it. Let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. Okay, first up, Ben Foster. This guy's awesome. I really like everything I've seen him do, and this was no exception. I thought he was really good in this role. At first, I didn't like this guy. The first time I ever saw him, I'm trying to remember what the role was. Maybe he was in like The Punisher or something like that. I never liked this guy at first. He kind of annoyed me. Over the years, though, he's really grown on me. Like William Fickner, he's grown on me big mm -hmm. time. So I'm a big supporter of this guy. I like him. He was great in 310 to Yuma. He got his penis chopped off in 1114. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, I can't even pronounce this guy's name properly. Cam Gigandet. Kevin, you're not familiar with this because you missed out on no, the first I, I know Twilight who, I know movie, who he is. But he's in, he was in the first Twilight. I knew him because he was Volchek on the OC. Okay. And when I first saw the trailers for that Twilight movie, I saw him in there and I was like, hey, it's Volchek. And that's how I knew, that's what I thought of Twilight as, like the Volchek movie. Wow. <laughs> this is strange. The OC was, uh, was a big part of my life for a while. <laughs> he was alright. Alright, uh, Antia Trowy? I'm pronouncing that terribly. I know I am. I believe she was the girl? Yeah, that sounds right. I do think she did. She wasn't bad. It wasn't amazing either. I would imagine that she is probably a really good actress in her native language, but her English left a lot to be desired. Yeah. I thought. Agreed. But you know what? I believed her as like a the physical female kick-ass role. Oh yeah, for sure. A lot of these movies where they when they make the actresses be like the tough chick beating up a bunch of guys and stuff, it just seems so fake and unbelievable. Yeah, we're looking I, at you, Mila Jovovich. <laughs> I totally bought her as like the tough girl, like she would beat you up. And, yeah. Okay, that's pretty much it. I mean, I don't really, there's nobody else in here worth even discussing with the exception of the man, <laughs> the myth, <laughs> the legend, Dennis Quaid. <laughs> He was astonishing <laughs> in this movie. He brought his A game. Oh, man, He brought did that he. Quaid game. These situations really called for emotion. <laughs> and 
<laughs> he did his damnedest to keep emotion out of it. <laughs> Until the very end. And when he unleashed that emotion, man, it was a force. Perfect. You nailed it, right? Nailed it. He was pure Quaid in this movie. You want to see Quaid acting? This is it. Uh-huh. This is it, right? There's so much stimuli that goes against him in this movie that would make anybody else react, right? Yeah. They would scream, they would yell, uh-huh. they would fight. Not this guy. No. Not happening, right? Calm, cool, and collective. So what, which is it? Is he so powerful that he's keeping it down or he's just doing the bare minimum just to skate on by? No, I still subscribe to the, the fact that his, his acting is so powerful. He needs to keep it in check for the actors around him lest they be injured. <laughs> He earned his paycheck, I thought, this time. (laughs) He really earned it. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's pretty much it. Let's get into the brief history of Pandorum. Travis Milloy wrote a preliminary script, which was set on a prison ship. Characters played by Antia Trowy and Kung Lee were inmates. Ben Foster's character was a non-prisoner who did not trust anyone. The producers gave the script to director Christian Alvard, who was thunderstruck by the similarities to his own screenplay titled Nowhere. His dramatic story was about four astronauts aboard a settler ship who suffer from amnesia. Alvard decided that they should weld the two screenplays together and the producers and Milloy agreed. Ben Foster insisted to eat real live insects instead of using special effects or dead ones. Pandorum is the first film in a proposed trilogy. But it is doubtful that the sequel will ever see the light of day due to the film's low box office performance. The film grossed $20 million worldwide, therefore failing to bring back its $33 million budget. Ouch. Mm-hmm. Ouch. I don't see a sequel coming. Pandorum 2? I don't see it. That title wouldn't even make any sense in a sequel, but I guess we'll get to that, right? Yeah. Okay, let me just say this right off the bat. This is one of those movies that's completely structured around a mystery, and the whole point of the movie is unraveling what the hell is going on in the movie. So if you have any interest in ever seeing Pandorum, I would suggest listening to this later because we're going to spoil the hell out of this movie. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Pandorum. So this movie starts off just like Event Horizon with text on the screen that I thought was illegible. I couldn't even read it. Could you? No, yeah, it was hard to read. I had no idea what they were trying to tell me. None. They might as well not even bothered. It was really quick too, right? Yeah, it was teeny tiny uh-huh. and it just came and went and I couldn't read it. I just could not see it. I almost rewound to watch it again to make sure I got everything. Nah. I decided not to. It's not worth it, not worth it. Speaking of Event Horizon, this movie has quite a lineage to that movie. This movie was produced by Paul W. S. Anderson. Who directed Event Horizon. There you go. So two back-to-back spaceship movies. This guy's got his hand all over it. If this guy has his hands in or on anything, <laughs> I don't want to see it. <laughs> At this point. Why? I feel like every terrible movie we watch, his name comes up in some form. <laughs> oh, Kevin, what did you think of Event Horizon, by the way? I saw it when I was in high school, a long, long time ago, and I didn't like it. And I was really happy that I couldn't record with you. After the opening text, this movie starts off with a special effects shot, which automatically put it miles above Event Horizon. We get to see the spaceship that they're in, mm-hmm. flying through space. I thought this effect looked great. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I'm impressed. I was very impressed. Mm-hmm. The effects in this movie are pretty good. Oh, yeah. Shockingly so, right? You would expect them to be piss poor. Yeah, I mean, I think that they did a lot to it was almost all practical make it stuff. easy. Yeah, and I think everything was practical. A lot of it was dark. I think it's easier to pull stuff off like that when it's when it's really dark. Oh, yeah. Okay, so just like Event Horizon, these people have been asleep. They were in cryo sleep. So Ben Foster wakes up to a very rude awakening. Mm-hmm. The way that they depict the cryo sleep in this movie is very interesting. It's different than most. In most movies, people just wake up and they're a little groggy. In this one, it's like very violent. Yeah. It's almost like coming alive, being unplugged 
plug from the Matrix. Yeah. Right? Like your your body's like limp because your muscles are in atrophy. You pull um, the wires out of yourself. Yeah, like those when he pulled the wires out of his arm, that was disgusting. <laughs> That was sick. And he just kind of did it like nonchalantly. I would have passed out doing that. His skin is like falling off. It looked like a snake shedding his, yes. his, his scales. He's peeling it off. That was disgusting. Yeah, it, it didn't look pleasant at all. Okay, so he wakes up. The ship is in a bit of disrepair. All the lights are off. Mm-hmm. It's like rattling. Everything's shaking. Everything looks pretty bad. As if like rust and stuff have taken over. There's dust on everything. Yes, yes, yes. And he lost his memory. He doesn't know who he is. Yeah. This is a pretty good setup for a movie. So far, I'm in it. I like it. Yeah. He was only supposed to be on the ship for like eight years, I think his his tour of sleep was supposed to be. He was supposed to be asleep for eight years before he woke up. Yes. And then he was supposed to be on duty for two years. Exactly. Yeah. And then be cycled out with the next team was supposed to take him out. But from the looks of the place, it looks like a little bit more time has elapsed since eight years. So maybe something happened while he was asleep. Mm-hmm. Pretty good setup for a movie. Pretty good premise. Well, this is right up your alley from the start, right? Because, oh, yeah. Because he goes to open up a door. Oh. Can't open it. He's trapped. Trapped in a room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So that's right up your alley. That's it's, it's your your two requirements for a good movie are trapped in a room or traveling through time. Well, and then it was as if they made this next scene for me. <laughs> Ben Foster, he has a bit of a cryo-sleep stubble on his face, and he wants to take a quick shave. So he goes over to the mirror to shave, and he pulls out a future razor, (laughs) and he holds it like a couple inches from his face, and a laser beam comes out of it, (laughs) and he shaves his face. Yeah, he laser shaves. That was great. I really want one of those. Yeah. Desperately. (laughs) You're not going to get razor burn from the laser shave, believe it or not, because this thing just took the hair right off. Would you even be afraid, like, you'd burn yourself with that thing, or, like, cut your head off with it or something? How's that different from, like, using a blade? <laughs> you got me there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, while Ben Foster is uh, future shaving in the corner, Dennis Quaid's cryopod bursts open and a wet, slippery, naked Quaid <laughs> flops out onto the floor like a wet fish. Yeah. Slapping <laughs> Totally nude in the buff. Biceps bulging, by the way. Sure were. What'd you think of this? How's the beefcake levels? <laughs> Well, since his skin was peeling off his body, yeah. they're pretty low. He was a mere five out of five for Quaid. <laughs> <laughs> Again, though, after a painful wake up like that, don't you think you'd scream or say something? You, at least? you would have an emotion. You'd have something to say about you'd this. You'd have right? an emotion. There's a whole list of ones you could have. <laughs> Right? Fear. Maybe anger. Why is my skin peeling off my body? Is hunger an emotion? For sure. (laughs) (laughs) But he's very matter-of-fact about the fact that he just came awake. He just read the script, right? Just a bland line reading. Okay, so neither of these guys remember who they are, where they are, what they're doing, what's going on. They say that the only thing that they can remember is the training. I thought that was cool. They didn't forget everything. They just forgot who they were. Yeah. But they remember, like, what they're there on the ship to do. I wasn't a big fan of that. Why not? It seemed like they had amnesia for everything like before their training. Yes. Right? So they couldn't remember their personal lives. But then they couldn't remember anything specific to the mission which would have been after their training. Yeah. So it's like both of them had selective amnesia for everything outside their training. It's kind of weird. Lazy screenwriting trick so they could have enough skills to move the plot forward but not enough to give away the mystery. Yeah. I mean they they had no memories but they're moving around the ship like they know all the right buttons to push. Yeah. They're moving. They're grooving. (laughs) 
<laughs> they know where their locker is. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, that seems kind of lazy, but whatever. Okay, so they're trapped in this little room. They need to get out. So Ben Foster climbs up the air vent to get out. Mm-hmm. And I thought this looked pretty good. Him in this little cla- claustrophobic space, crawling around. Yep. They're talking to each other back and forth. And it's Quaid is totally monotone. His heart rate is totally steady, never rising, never falling. It's perfect. These vents, it's kind of like the classic air conditioning vent that yes. people will climb through, except there's giant cables throughout this whole thing. Yeah. They're getting bigger, the cables, and there's more of them. Yeah. So the space keeps getting tighter and tighter. And at one point, Ben Foster, like, loses his cool because he's, like, trapped and he gets really claustrophobic. All right, so just a little insight into how I was watching this movie. I watched it on my laptop, on a pillow on my lap. Like, the screen was a few inches from my face. I really felt claustrophobic. Like, I caught myself, like, holding my breath during that scene where he was getting claustrophobic. I thought they did an excellent job portraying this. You know, and that's the kind of scene that we've seen a billion times Uh before, too. But they did it really well, I thought. I was shocked. Especially two seconds later, he kind of falls almost vertically down the um, shaft. Yeah. This is really well done, too. Mm -hmm. Prior to him going in the air vent, they were looking at the other cryopods and it has everybody's names on them. And there's one guy's name, Cooper. And they're like, where the hell is Cooper? Where is he? When he goes down the air vent and he gets trapped, he finds Cooper's body. It looks like it's been there for years. Oh, yeah. I thought that was awesome. Like, that's a really nice mystery. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell is going on in this ship? Yeah, definitely. I mean, his that corpse had been there for a really long time. It's all like, dried out and mummified. Yeah. By the way, this whole time, Ben Foster is like screaming, grunting, making terrible noises. In other words, he's acting. Yes. And Quaid is just like, he's on the other <laughs> end of this communicator. Just so subdued, like, what's going on? Where are you? Copy. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. It was unreal. Although, Quave did had a pretty mighty beard in this movie. He really did. Right? It's pretty he, good. He didn't pull out that laser razor. No, 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 no. No, he let it go. It wasn't perfect storm level beard. It was pretty good. It, was no, it wasn't patchy. <laughs> or yellow. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't piss yellow. <laughs> All right, so Ben Foster makes it into the hulls of the ship. He's just wandering around. This ship is supposedly enormous, right? Oh, yeah. Enormous, like bigger than a city. It's Nemo's submarine. Oh. Well done. It was made out of ivory. (laughs) Yes. Hey, by the way, so we have electro laser razors. Correct. You still have standard flashlights. What do you want them to have? Glow sticks? Like, he's at a rave? He had an endless supply of glow sticks in this movie. He did. Can we we agree on that? He did, he did. Did he have, like, a Batman utility belt that was just filled with glow sticks? What do you think they should have? Anything. Anything. Come up with anything. He just had a regular flashlight that they have on the X-Files. Glow sticks make sense, though. The glow sticks make sense. You think glow sticks are going to be around in 2150? It's a chemical reaction that makes the light. It's not a power source. I don't know. I don't buy it. How else are you going to use light in an emergency when there's no power? I don't know. There's going to be something. Something different. But then again, if there's no power on a spaceship, then you got bigger things to worry about <laughs> than there being no light, right? How long did the what are the AA batteries in there? In the, uh, the flashlight? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I just thought that was weird. It's like, we're in the super future, and he's got a regular flashlight, like it's today. I don't know, man. Some things don't change. Flashlights will. I guarantee it. We'll see. Uh, We'll have the... The reunion podcast for this 50 years from now. We'll review Pandorum again and we'll see how okay. flashlight technology okay. has evolved. Yeah, yeah, it's a bad revisited. <laughs> yeah, so he finds this woman in the hallway and this guy that's like disemboweled hanging from his neck by a noose mm-hmm. in the middle of the hallway. Again, the mystery thickens. What the hell is going on in this ship? The woman just beats him up and, and runs off. And she's like a pirate. Oh, like she steals things from him? But yeah, she's like, she's like dressed like a pirate. She's got like a pirate knife. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. So he sees all these blue lights coming. So clearly there's someone coming. They're making like ominous 
various noises. And the dead body that was hanging in front of him all of a sudden gets sucked up into the ceiling. And some it sounds like something's eating him, right? Like someone would, like left their snack hanging around. So he runs down the hallway and finds a room to hide in. And we finally get a glimpse of what these things are as they're, they move across the doorway and then one actually walks into the room he's hiding in. How would you explain these things? They're humanoid. They definitely look like people, like, but they have pasty, like albino white skin. They're sweaty. They're hunters. They're like a hunter species. Yeah. They have these metal shards all over their body, like armor. Mm-hmm. And they have these weapons. They're like blowtorch staffs, I yeah. think. And they use these metal lassos to grab people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're these feral mutants, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, at this point, your only conclusion draws that they're aliens. They're right? aliens, yes. I thought they were aliens. Yeah. Okay, so Ben Foster hides from these monsters. Dennis Quaid's nose starts bleeding for some reason. Oh, yeah, it does. And they start talking to each other about what the hell's going on. And then all of a sudden, Ben Foster has a flashback. He starts to understand <laughs> why they're on the ship, what the hell the point of the mission was. And he flashes back to when he was a kid, and scientists have discovered a new planet. It's like Earth 2, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's fit for human life. They find plant life on it and stuff. And Earth is screwed. It's overpopulated. There's The weather is going nuts. We need to get the hell off Earth or else it'll be too late. We're, we've exhausted natural resources, I think, because it was the reason that they said that the planet was basically uninhabitable. The flashback is pretty cool because you see little Ben Foster watching it with his parents. Ben right? Foster Jr. <laughs> junior, Jr. <laughs> <laughs> So he's watching this with his parents on uh, on television, and basically they're watching live, almost like people probably watched the moon, um, landing. the moon landing. People are watching this, where this probe lands on this planet to find out, is this really habitable? And when it lands, the camera's scan and it finds like a plant growing, which is like- a- That must have been crazy to see that, right? Yeah, could you imagine? That's That would have been so cool to actually like see something like that. Say, hey, look, there's other life out there. I actually was thinking about this when I was watching this movie. What if that happened today, right? Today, scientists are like, we found Earth too. Mm-hmm. How would that change our society? I guess it would really depend on how far away it is, right? Like, we would immediately want to go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ramp up space production, all that stuff. Yeah, NASA's NASA, back. They get their funding back immediately. immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, aside from, like, you know, the, the religious implications of something like that. What would you think that would do politically, though? Like, all the wars and stuff. I don't think that. I, I don't think it would matter. Unless it was really close and, like, we could get to it yeah. immediately. Like, if this is something that's Seven billion light years away. Like, what's doesn't what does that change? Doesn't change anything, right? But it's within reach. We can get there. Like in a couple years. Yeah, I mean that might change things. I mean then it would be a race to see who'd get there, right? To stake their claim to it. Maybe like for the initial effort, all the c- countries band together to work on it, like in contact. But then when we get there, that's when like the wars break out. <laughs> To colonize the new countries and stuff. I, I, yeah, I wonder what would happen. Because someone would want to stake ownership to that, right? Oh, yeah. United States, right? USA 2. Yeah, USA 2.0. That'd be the new Manifest Destiny, right? Yes. That's a movie. I'd watch that movie. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Okay, so Ben Foster, he has another brainwave. He realizes that there's more than just technical people on the ship. Like, maybe his girlfriend's on there and other people's wives and husbands. Like, there's 60,000 people on this ship. Where are they? Because there's nobody in the hallways. Like, what happened to everybody? And he finds this kind of futuristic riot gun, non-lethal weapon. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, at this point, he he understands this ship was going to New Earth. Correct. These are the people that are sent there to colonize. So he's he's realizing, like, this 
isn't just like these, these aren't just astronauts or military people. Yeah, we're not screwing shit. around here. This like, is important. Yeah, these are real people that are also going to be on here that are going to colonize the planet. The stakes are pretty high, right? Oh yeah. Pretty much the fate of the human race is, is, in, is in his hands because he's the only one on this ship that knows what the hell's going on. Yep. And then Foster and Quaid start to talk about Pandorum, and he explains what Pandorum is. Yeah. So by the way, the whole time they're talking on this communicator, they they're away from each other the whole movie, the whole movie practically. Yes, yeah. So they start talking about Pandorum, which is space madness. Yeah, from Ren and Stimpy. From Ren and Stimpy, basically, right? Where you start hallucinating and you basically just go crazy from being on a spaceship. Yeah, and you go homicidal. Yeah, and you just basically kill everyone that's on the ship. Yeah, it's like from prolonged hypersleep. It just screws people up. Yeah. This was, without a doubt, my favorite scene in the movie. When they were talking about Pandorum and they tell the story about a previous spaceship where one of the guys caught Pandorum and he murdered everybody on board and then he hit the eject button on all the pods on people sleeping yeah. in cryosleep uh-huh. and 5,000 people were just jettisoned into space to their deaths. Mm-hmm. I thought this looked great. And, the, and, and you see the one pod that had someone that was still like, oh, that was awake in it oh, being yeah. sent out into space screaming. Just to die out there. That's insane. Could you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine? You're in a little pod just floating through space just waiting to die from God knows what. Starvation. Excellent scene. Loved it. That yeah, was pretty cool. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Alright, so Ben Foster is running around the ship some more and he finds a guy who's hanging from another rope and he rescues him. This guy's still alive. Kevin, did you recognize this guy? Norman Reedus. Oh yeah! The triumphant return. <laughs> yes, that bad. One of the boondock saints. Yep. How did you think he did? I love this guy. <laughs> he could do no wrong. He's on, the, he's on The Walking Dead. Yes. And he's probably my favorite character on that show. And he, he's, he's great on there. And he was great in this too. He's brief, but he's great. Oh yeah, I was happy to have him. Yeah. Like, he knew what was going on, right? Yes. He knew way more than Ben Foster did. And he's like, get the hell out of my way. I'm out of here. He was great. Too bad he was only in the movie for like five seconds. Yeah. Because, you know, 10 seconds later, he gets slaughtered by these monsters. Yeah, I was really disappointed. I thought he was going to hang around for a while. When these monsters show up and they brutally murder this guy, we see that the director decided to use a lot of shaky cam and close-ups and quick cuts and flashing lights to depict when the monsters are hunting and killing. Mm-hmm. I hated this. Absolutely hated it. I don't think they wanted to tip their hat, right? I mean, we haven't fully seen these things. I understand why they're doing it. I just think it looks bad. Yeah, I guess. it's. I was all right with it. I mean, at this point, Ben Foster hasn't really seen these things, right? Like, we're, we're this is from his viewpoint, so I was okay with it. All right, so Ben Foster continues running on, and he runs into two more people. He runs into this guy who's from the agriculture department who can't speak English. He speaks mm-hmm. some other language. I have no idea what he was speaking. I have no idea. And he also runs into the, the woman again, mm-hmm. and they form an alliance. So that guy is a UFC fighter, right? Yes, the triumphant return of the UFC. <laughs> oh, yeah, two movies back-to-back with <laughs> UFC fighters in <laughs> prominent roles. Yeah, so the, the girl brings them back to where she's been staying. So she was in charge of the Noah's Ark component of this ship, which was basically samples, biological samples of life on Earth, yeah. right? Like a giant vault. The biosphere of all life on Earth. That she was going to bring to the new planet. Yeah, to, to colonize the planet with like whales and dolphins and which stuff. Which is kind of weird, right? That they would do that? Like, wouldn't you want to see what's on this new planet before you immediately start populating it with what's on Earth? Well, what they said was that the settlers were going to need livestock to eat. I guess, but like you can't bring like an, an animal from one country to another on this planet without disrupting yeah. like but What about the existence? humans? What about humans themselves? No, I agree. I agree. I completely agree. At that point, you're in for a penny, in for a pound, you know, go all in. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I'd want to know what's there first. Like, what if there's some animal that's running around on this planet or some plant that can cure all diseases, but we bring dogs and dogs eat this thing and we can never use it. That's true. That's a good point. That's a gamble. I think that these people are going to do their best to turn that planet into Earth. Oh, yeah. They're just going to turn it into Earth again. Oh, so, it's a full colonization plan. Yeah, so 
about same animals, same plants. They're going to make it as human friendly as possible. Mm -hmm. So why not? People are going to want dogs. People are going to want to see kangaroos again. You know, giraffes, T-Rexes, the dodos. <laughs> Bring them all back. Platypus? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so the woman has a theory as to what the hell is going on. She says that before everybody went on the ship, they were injected with some sort of chemical that would help them adapt to the planet to kind of speed evolution. And she thinks that these monsters that are running around are people that have adapted to the ship. Mm -hmm. But Ben Foster says, how could that possibly happen in only eight years time? Mm -hmm. It's impossible. It makes sense. The plot thickens, right? Yeah. Dennis Quaid is back in his cell, I guess. And all of a sudden, a sloppy fetus man is... <laughs> birthed from a womb, mysterious womb into his room, right? This naked man just flops and slops into his room, wriggling. These are like word for word what I wrote down. <laughs> like adult man birthed from the womb. <laughs> All right, then I nailed it. <laughs> Yeah, this sloppy guy comes out of nowhere. Sloppy what is Dennis, seconds? Yeah, what does Dennis Quaid have to say about this? Literally a man is birthed from a wall. Like, he just plops out naked guy covered in placenta. And what does Dennis Quaid say about this? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Quaid, very matter-of-fact about this. You did it again, Quaid. <laughs> All right, so this guy who comes out of nowhere, he was part of the previous flight crew. Yep. So Quaid was number five, this guy was number four. And Quaid's got some questions, like, where, how did you survive? What's going on? Where are we? What are we doing here? But this guy is like a lunatic. He's just rambling nonsense. He's a terrible actor, by the way, this guy. <laughs> These scenes where he's talking and being crazy, I thought he was atrocious. Eh, he was all right. No, no. He was all right. Cut him some slack. Yeah, I know. You, you have this residual OC love for him. <laughs> yeah, so this guy's crazy. like, And he's constantly being very antagonistic towards Dennis Quaid. And Dennis Quaid's got this like metal, this lead pipe in his hand that he's about to use to kill this guy at any <laughs> yeah. second. I thought that was fun. Yeah, he, he keeps saying that he killed the rest of his crew because they were the crazy ones. Yes. Which, if that's the case, like, you, you're a normal person and other people went crazy and you killed them, that would probably make you a little crazy, too. Yes. So you kind of, you don't know if, if he's, if he's the crazy one or if he's just a little crazy because he had to kill crazy people. That's a good point. There's a little doubt there. Like he's a little off, but you're not sure w which one it is. But whenever Dennis Quaid makes a decision on what to do, that guy always goes against it. Yeah. It's like, no, that's a bad idea. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's a contrarian. Yeah, he's very antagonistic towards Quaid. And Ben Foster's running around with these two other people. I mean, they're fighting these monsters. They're trying to get to the reactor. Yes, because the ship is about to Lose die. Power. Okay, I'm about to spoil something from another movie. If you've, see if you've never seen Predators, skip ahead like two minutes because I'm about to spoil that movie because it's pretty pertinent to what happens in this movie. There's a scene in Predators starring Adrian Brody where they're running around and they find Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne's kind of like a crazy guy and he leads them back to his ship into his lair and he gives them food and gives them lodging, some protection from the monsters outside. Well, turns out it's a double cross and Lawrence Fishburne turns against them and he's going to kill them or whatever, right? This identical thing verbatim happens in Pandorum. And I remember when I was watching Predators, I was like, I can't believe they're stealing this from Pandora. Because <laughs> Pandora came out first and then came out Predators. Mm -hmm. Couldn't believe it. It's verbatim. What do you think of this whole sequence? Oh, by the way, double cross. Yeah, there's a double cross. I don't know that they stole this from Pandora, right? I mean, this isn't... This is just a common thing. This, yeah, this wasn't invented by Pandora. I hate it. I hate this the, the people on an adventure stumble across a, like a kind of a crazy person that seems like they're helping them, but in the end, it actually turns on them. Yeah. I could do without this trope. Oftentimes, they try to eat them. Sure. I feel like that's, that's something 
that's new in this situation either. Yeah. This guy definitely was going to eat them. Oh, yeah. He's hungry. Yeah, he's pretty hungry. I don't blame him. But then eventually they convince him that if they don't restart the reactor, then things are going to get really bad. So we fast forward to the actual reactor and it's this big column in the middle of a giant circular room. Kind of reminded me of iRobot with all these catwalks leading to the center. And Ben Foster has to go to it and reset the thing. When he goes in the catwalk, the catwalk breaks. Mm -hmm. So he has to go through the bottom floor and climb his way up. Only problem, it's wall-to-wall mutants. They're all (laughs) sleeping on top of each other. And he has to crawl through them on his belly. Yep. He basically grabs some smelly, slimy... Flesh. Flesh? Looks like human flesh. Was that flesh? That's what I thought it was. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was somebody's skin. Sure, it probably was skin. And he covers his body with it. Mask the stench. To mask his stench. human, tasty smell. Oh, yeah. That must have been so repulsive. You gotta do what you gotta do, man. I know, but I would have thrown up everywhere. There's a deleted scene in this sequence that you missed, but I saw. And I can't unsee. When he's <laughs> crawling on his belly figuring out what could have been. He's wallowing in his own chaotic, insecure delusion. (laughs) And he's going through this pit of mutants and he looks over to the right and he sees one mutant raping another. (laughs) It's pretty amazing that this is going to be in the movie. It seems so out of place. Does it? Yes. Well, I mean, they made a big deal prior to this that they said that they're breeding because they had like a little kid. They had a little kid mutant running around. Yeah, they did have a kid mutant. So they're breeding and we get to see them breed. Yeah, great. There's no foreplay. (laughs) In Pandora. <laughs> <laughs> they just grab it and take it. By the way, we skipped something I wanted to talk about. Okay. So they're on their way to the reactor and they come across the chamber where the families are. And while they're in there, the, the mutants track them down pretty quickly. And when they go to escape, one of the one of the pods oh, opens yeah. up. Oh, yeah. And yeah, someone yeah. Become, w- awakens from their hypersleep. And right when that door opens, the mutants are there. And they grab the guy and start eating him Im- immediately. Can you imagine can, being that guy? Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> you just wake up and there's these mutants. So this guy has no clue these mutants even exist, right? You're just a normal person. He doesn't remember who he is. <laughs> and you just start getting eaten by mutants. This is the worst worst death ever. It's a good scene, though. Uh, that really, was crazy. It was crazy, yeah, for sure. But, oh, man, that was horrific. Yeah, so Ben Foster makes it up to the reactor. He turns it on. Everybody that's living at the bottom, they get blown to bits. Mm-hmm. I assume that one rapist mutant got killed. I mean, <laughs> I can only hope. <laughs> They're running around. They're trying to get back to the bridge. Uh, The head mutant captures the UFC fighter guy, and they go toe-to-toe. I thought this was so dumb and unnecessary. I completely agree. This was the Paul W.S. Anderson touch, I think. Like a dumb fight. Just a stupid fight scene. That doesn't need to be in a movie. Just for the sake of having a fight scene. So dumb. With a really really stupid ending to it, too. Oh? Don't you agree? What happened? The the human guy actually beats the head mutant, and he turns around. He's kind of like he's been beaten up, but he's still alive. And he turns around and there's the, the kid, the one kid mutant that they let live earlier. Because like, it's a kid, don't kill it. You know, it's a stupid mutant. You immediately kill it, right? <laughs> okay. Anyway, so the mutant's there and he's like staring at him. And the mutant kid pulls out a knife and cuts the guy's throat and kills him. After he just fought his heart out to yeah. kill a big mutant. And he gets killed by this little mutant. You don't like that? No. Why not? It's sad. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, back in Dennis Quaid land, we come to find out that... Quaidville? Quaidtown? Quaidopolis? <laughs> Quaid City. <laughs> Population one. <laughs> so Dennis Quaid is in his little room with this mystery guy. The guy's going crazier and crazier and crazier and crazier. Mm-hmm. We come to find out there's a little plot twist here. Turns out that the crazy guy, he's not the crazy guy at all. He doesn't have Pandorum. Who nope. does? Mr. Quaid. It's Quaid all along. All along. Double cross. <laughs> 
<laughs> Pandora. Internal double cross. Yeah. <laughs> it turned out they pulled uh, a twist ending that's kind of well known these days from a movie that I won't spoil at this point, but we all know what I'm talking about, where it turns out that this mystery figure isn't real at all. He's a figment of Dennis Quaid's imagination. Mm-hmm. It turns out that guy is actually Dennis Quaid Jr. Jr. Yes. He projected himself as a younger man uh-huh. because it was Dennis Quaid who killed everybody. Yep. And the reason he killed everybody was because when the mission first started, Earth disappeared. Just kind of poof. Vanished. I was really confused. It wasn't very clear. I was really confused by that. Now, they, they kind of have a throwaway line. It's like, does it matter? Earth's gone. Right? Like, that was a throwaway because someone said, like, well, how did it happen? Because I thought it would have been like a world war over the... The last the, remaining the, resources? The lack of resources. But they, he, he indicates that it's just like, poof, they looked and it was gone. Yeah, or the planet exploded or something. I guess. I don't know. Hmm. But he is right, though. He does have a valid point about who cares. I mean, they left yes. Earth behind, yeah. all intents and purposes, right? Yeah, so it's gone. What does it matter it if doesn't it gets swallowed in a black hole? Cybertron appeared yeah. in front of I, it. I, that, that might be what happened, <laughs> actually. Cybertron appeared, and it got knocked out of its orbit. Yeah, all right. So when that, that crazy guy tried to eat them, makes to the bridge first, Dennis Quaid, like, shoots him in the eyeball with, like, a syringe. <laughs> Kills him and Ben Foster and the, and the woman they make it to the bridge and they mm-hmm. go toe to toe. Turns out Ben Foster's got a little pandorum of his own. Yeah, he's going crazy. Mm-hmm. But one of the last plot twists is revealed and we find out what happened to the ship all along. Turns out they weren't in space for eight years in actuality. So nine hundred and twenty three years have elapsed, not just eight, and they weren't in space the whole time. This action was taking place. They were underwater on Tannis. Tannis. That's a good twist. I like that. I liked it a lot. Actually. Really? Really? So it's revealed because they open up the window. They basically have a window out into what should have been space, right? They open up that window and they're looking and there's no stars. And it's like, well, where are the stars? Like, where are they? And then it's revealed, oh, they're underwater. That's why there's no stars. Giant bioluminescent creatures go by. You love bioluminescence. Love it. I'm all in on bioluminescence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought this was a great premise. When I first saw this movie, I was like, man, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I liked that a lot, actually. Yep. Yeah, they have a little scuffle, a little brouhaha. Someone shoots a gun and it cracks the window and the whole ship's starting to flood. The mutants are going to drown in the flood and Ben Foster and the woman hop into a pod and they eject themselves and then the ship automatically starts ejecting all the pods mm-hmm. and everybody kind of bursts out from the water onto Earth too. Like in there's little lifeboats. Yep. Something like a Moby Dick kind of thing. So what did you think of this twist ending? It was cool. I liked it. Um, Surprising, right? I didn't think that's where we were going to go. And not only that, but this movie the whole time really felt like it was building towards an ending that was going to be a twist, right? Like you were expecting expecting something different at the end of this movie that, that what we were seeing wasn't all true. Yeah. And my history with watching movies is that that was going to be a disaster. Whatever <laughs> ending they gave me was going to be piss poor. <laughs> but much to my surprise, I was okay with this. Like this, this was okay. Like I felt good about this ending and I didn't hate the fact that I sat through an hour and a half of stuff that, you know, wasn't what I thought it was, but I wasn't disappointed. Yep. I'm pretty pleased with it. They did a good job with mm-hmm. this ending. I liked it a lot. It ends on a high note. Like, it's pretty upbeat ending. Oh, yeah, but the most upbeat five seconds of this movie are the end. But how do you feel about the mutants all dying in the flood, though? They don't deserve to die. They're not bad. What are you going to do with them? <laughs> of course they deserve to die. Why? 
die. They're, they're people that they, just want to survive. That's a major theme in this movie, survival. People must do no, what they can to survive. Any, they're not people anymore. Oh, just kill them off, genocide? What are you going to do? Have them come on, on land with you and eat all the people that are left? So there's no more humans? Sure. Or are you going to imprison them so they can escape and kill everybody? What do you think Pandorum 2 is going to be? Like one of them swims to the surface and starts killing? It's a really good question. I don't know. I guess it would be about the troubles trying to get the colony started, right? But that wouldn't be Pandorum, right? It had to be it had to be something else. Yeah, you can't call it Pandorum because no one's going crazy over that. No. Then again, all the settlers could be crazy, right? Because they are all waking up. It's true. A or colony they, of crazy people. Or they could start um that, that stuff that makes you adapt really quickly. You could like start adapting to the different things there and I don't know, turn into... You could still have people turn into those monsters, I guess. Okay, so this movie ends with a shot of the planet and it says this is the year one of the colony. Their population is 1,213 people. Okay, so let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. According to the press notes, Pandorum means orbital dysfunctional syndrome, whatever that is. By the end of the movie, I was convinced I had caught it. Jeanette Katsoulis. Katsoulis. <laughs> Jeanette Katsoulis. New York Times. Lazy derivative. Rob Nelson variety. As always, Foster sells the hell out of his role, but non-sci-fi fans may well themselves be driven mad long before the end. Clark Collis, Entertainment Weekly. Okay, Kevin, this movie currently holds a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad. No, I don't think it's that bad. And I guess I'm a sci-fi fan based on that last one because I think in the end I like this movie. I really doubted that I was gonna like it in the end. Like the whole time I was expecting this to go bad and it, it didn't really go bad. Like it was it was okay. Um, I'm gonna give it a 3 out of 5. Okay. As for me, is it really that bad? No, I don't think it's that bad. I agree with you. I'm gonna go with a 3 out of 5. That's the score I gave it the first time I saw it. There's something about this movie that's just a little off for me. It's, I just can't place my finger on it. There's something not right about it. Like for example, I think the idea of the mutant people is a good one, but I don't think I like the way it's done here. It just doesn't interest me. And when I found out that this movie is really two different scripts combined into one, that makes perfect sense. Because to me, the stuff that I really liked was the Pandorum stuff, like the spaceship stuff, the stuff that the director originally wanted to do. Yep. That stuff is cool. But then when they grafted on this other crap mm -hmm. to it, that's what I don't like. That's what keeps this movie down. So if it was just a bunch of people trapped on a spaceship trying to figure out what to do, I'm all for it. That would have been a five out of five. <laughs> but as it's stands, I'm going to go with a 3 out of 5. This is a movie that's worth seeing. If it's on TV, yeah, check it out. Yeah. If for nothing else, sloppy naked Quaid. <laughs> Why not? Okay, let's read some listener mail. I want to take this opportunity to tell our listeners that there's a new bonus episode. You don't available. say. Yeah. Due to popular demand, people have been asking us to just do an episode where we just sit around and BS about whatever. And we did just that. It's currently available at facebook.com slash yeah, it's that bad. I released this episode in advance to our Facebook listeners and everybody got some feedback about it right here. Excellent. So perhaps this will entice those on the fence to click that like button. Oh, well, a free gift just for you. Mm. It's that bonus episode you asked for. You're a giver. Yeah, I know. <laughs> John writes in and says, Joel, do not listen to those ignorant fools known as Martin and Kevin. The cake boss is a steaming hot pile of one out of five on the scale of bakers. Now, Kevin, that's something that we discussed in this bonus episode available at facebook.com slash yes that bad. Yep. If you want to know what the hell this guy's talking about, go download that. <laughs> 
Having lived in Hoboken for four years, nothing would anger me more than having to squeeze past gawking tourists every morning and evening on the sidewalk. If you ever watch the show, this guy has no skill. He puts fondant on everything. I swear, he probably makes fondant donuts. To top it off, the one time I decided to buy a Cake Boss treat, I was handed one of the most disgusting cannolis ever. Imagine my joy of not only having a bonus episode, but hearing you talk about bad Cake Boss experiences. I despise the Cake Boss and secretly hope that the Hoboken Batman puts a stop to him once and for all. That's weird though, because you have so much in common with the Cake Boss now. I didn't, because you put fondant on everything too. Yeah, I do. Here's a question for you guys. What 2012 release are you most excited for? There's a lot to whet your appetites. Avengers, Prometheus, Spider-Man, The Dark Knight, and G.I. Joe 2. <laughs> Kevin? I think it's Looper. That's the only movie I'm interested in at all, is Looper. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm interested in Batman. I'm obviously going to see Batman. But we've been through this before. This oh, isn't yeah. new, right? Lo- keep... Looper's new. Yes. And yes, it's got my yes. boy, Joseph Gordon Lovett. Oh, yeah. He's in it. I'm going to see it. <laughs> yeah, and it was uh, the guy who wrote Primer was a consultant on it. I didn't know this. For the time travel. Oh, yeah, they're buddies. Oh, boy. The director and him are buddies. You you in? I'm all in. (laughs) I'm all in on that one. As for me, I mean, I really don't have any interest in any of the movies coming out like Spider-Man. I have like negative five in percent. You're going. You're going. I'll probably see it, but I don't care. I I don't care. You care. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On a scale of one to 10, my interest level, Spider-Man is a negative five. Dark Knight is a zero. I want to keep that as low as possible. Okay. Right. Avengers is at a negative 10. I don't care about the Avengers. I just have to watch Hulk verses with you <laughs> and you're gonna tell me you don't want to see the Avengers <laughs> no <laughs> my problem with the Avengers is you take a bunch of mediocre movies you smash them together what do you get one big mediocre blob eh whatever I'm gonna see it don't don't set the bar really high you're setting it at mediocre keep that keep that oh, keep that bar low drop, my friend. It, drop that yeah, bad keep boy. It low. yeah I don't care about Thor I don't care about any of those people the only one of those movies I liked was Iron Man the rest of those movies are piss poor uh-huh. at best and I don't care about the Avengers but I'll be there open night <laughs> we'll be there waiting in, in a two-hour line to get our get our seats that's just gi joe too i mean come on I, I think that might call for a, an episode. Yes, at the right. special edition? I think so. Okay, Joe writes in and says, Sup, fellas. I've been listening to your show for about three weeks now and have already heard every episode multiple times. I just wanted to give you a thumbs up about the After Dark episode. That's the bonus episode currently available at facebook.com slash yeah, it's that bad. Download it today. <laughs> when I saw the title After Dark, I expected a taxi cab confession style episode in which the three of you recorded yourselves reviewing movies in the back of a taxi with a couple of hookers. <laughs> but what I got instead was even better. The three of you have a chemistry that is unmatched in any podcast I've heard so far, and I really enjoyed the free discussions about weddings. Who could we be talking about? The cake boss and hypothetical questions. I'm sure to you guys, the episode probably sounded like rambling bullshit. Yes! 100% agree! (laughs) But to the rest of us, it was more like a fun, hilarious, informative, rambling bullshit. (laughs) I hope you guys do more in the future. Oh, and I have heard listeners in the past try to guess what you look like. And after listening to many epic fails, I have finally cracked the code with a little help from a film called She's All That. Here it goes. I have no idea what he's going to say. <laughs> Kevin's going to know immediately, so you can be the gauge. Joel, he's the ringleader and popular boy with a heart of gold, resembling Freddie Prince Jr.'s character, Zach Seiler. <laughs> Martin, the cool but kind of a jerk friend, is obviously Dean Sampson, played by Paul Walker. And finally, Kevin resembles the character of Lainey's little brother, Simon Boggs. I imagine he was bullied in high school until Joel came to his rescue. <laughs> Thanks for the laughs. Keep up the awesome work. <laughs> Kevin looks very bitter. 
He's got a face palm going on right now. I hurt my feelings. Is he accurate? No. <laughs> what, you want to be Freddie Prince Jr.? I'll take Paul Walker. Oh, okay. All right. You can blue crush it all night. That's right. Uh, Justin writes in and says, I've had this question in my head for months now. Where do you find the music that you play at the opening of each episode? Is there a stock music CD you found at your local Five and Dime? Or do you know Danny Elfman personally? <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised it took this long for this question to come up. I thought this was going to come up way sooner. I often ask myself this question when I listen to the episode, but then by the time I see you again, I just completely <laughs> forget about it. So I don't even know the answer to this question. Okay, here's the answer. It's a website called Incompetech.com. The guy's name is Kevin McLeod. Just search for that. This guy does royalty-free music that's free for anybody to use. So you hear these same songs everywhere. Ever since I started using this music, I hear them in like YouTube videos and commercials because they're free to use, so people just plunk them down. I mean, they get the job done for our purposes. They're pretty good. Oh, yeah. So there you go. That's where you can get some free music if you're making a podcast of your own. Sean writes in and says, where would Kate Beckinsale fit within the school of actors? For those who don't know, he's referring to the fact that I've mentioned that Cameron Bright is the valedictorian at, yeah, it's that bad high school. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf is the president. Yeah, he's class president. Class president. And either Catherine Heigl or Jessica Biel is the prom queen. Yeah, the voting's still out on that one. Yeah, we're not sure yet. So where does Kate Beckinsale fit into all this? Is she one of the teachers? Yeah, I think she's a teacher. Math. French? I was going to say math teacher. Why? I don't know. Strikes me as a math it just feels right. Okay. Yeah. All right. It just feels good. Sean writes in and says, I have to say I'm somewhat disappointed that film connoisseurs as yourself keep calling the Shaquille O'Neal genie movie Shazam when it's clearly Kazam. As a kid, I probably watched this close to 10 times, but it was just on TV and I only lasted about 10 seconds. Love the show, guys. You know, of all the dumb, stupid, idiotic crap that we say on this show, mm-hmm. none have responded more responses than this. Oh, yeah. I've heard this before, too. I think on Twitter, people yeah. reached out on this one. We, we got DC on the brain. That's that's all I can explain it Captain with. Captain Marvel? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we got that on the brain, right? Like, that, that's Shazam's what I think of. I've never seen Kazam. Have you? No. Yeah. Perhaps we should. Future episode alert. Okay, thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. Okay, now it's time for the question of the week. And the question comes from our Facebook page, facebook.com slash yeahitsthatbad. And it comes in from Robert. Is there any actor that if they're in a movie, you refuse to watch it? Head on over to yeahitsthatbad.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Okay, now it's time to announce the movies for the next Listener's Choice poll. And the theme for this poll will be Platinum Dunes horror movies. You know, these have been graced by the hands of Michael Bay. Oh, really? Yeah, you didn't know that? That's his his production company. Oh, I didn't know this. Okay, so we're going to add a little extra spice to to this. Ryan Reynolds versus Jessica Biel. The Amityville Horror versus The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So head on over to YesTheBad.com where you can vote in the poll between the Amityville Horror starring Ryan Reynolds or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre starring Jessica Biel. As for next week's movie, we're going to do another horror movie, this time starring J-Lo, 2000's The Cell. Long overdue. Yes. This has been in the queue for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's finally happening. So to recap, head on over to yesatbed.com where you can vote in the poll for the Amityville Horror or Texas Chainsaw Massacre and tune in next week when we, when we will be reviewing The Cell. This could be the votes Jessica Biel needs to become the prom queen? To become the prom queen. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, and of course, don't forget to download the bonus episode, Yeah, It's That Bad After Dark, which can be found at facebook.com slash yeah, it's that bad. All you got to do is click the like button and the episode's all yours. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash yeah, it's that bad. Or you can follow us on Twitter at yeah, it's bad. You can follow Martin at yeah, it's Martin. You can follow Kevin at yeah, it's Kev. And you can stream the show from all your mobile devices via Stitcher. Head on over to stitcher.com slash yeah, it's bad. Put in the promo code yeah, it's bad. And that'll really help out the show. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. Is that the end music there? What are we watching next? I don't know. Is it, is it a viewer's choice or no? Yeah, it should be a viewer's choice. Listener's choice. Why do I always say viewer's choice? No one's viewing anything. <laughs>